Welcome to the Underscore Transformation podcast. My name's Jason West. And my name's Joe Ailes. And together we're the founders of Underscore. This is the sixth episode and third roundtable discussion in our bonus mini-series on the future of work. In previous episodes, our guests considered their organization's initial response to the pandemic, the long-term effects of digital transformation on the workplace, and the skills and capabilities that organizations need to develop to take advantage of all this new technology. So this week, we're focusing on buying skills and capability from the market, and our roundtable panelists are Mari Milsom, Resourcing Transformation Consultant at Capita, Simon Brown, Freelance HR Transformation Consultant, and in an unexpected twist, our very own Joe Ailes, oh co-founder of Underscore, <laughs> and most recently Program Director at the Wellcome Trust. So before we dive into the discussion, let's do a quick roundtable of introductions. Um, if I can start with you, Mari, could you tell us a little about your current role and a bit about your background? Okay, so I've been working with Capita as a transformation consultant for the last nine months. Um, I've supported them through the COVID-19 response from a resourcing perspective, and I'm now currently looking at their global operations um, with a view to sort of streamline and simplify them. Fantastic. And how, how, uh, tell us a bit about your background. What were you doing before Capita? Uh, so prior to Capita, um, I've worked as head of resourcing for a number of companies, including British Airways and AWE, which is the atomic weapons establishment. So uh, a big range of companies. I've also done significant transformation, um, including with for British Airways, putting in a completely new fleet for them. Fantastic. So that real mix of operational and yep. transformation roles in, in the resourcing space. Fantastic. Yep. Well, welcome, Murray. Thanks very much for joining the show. Uh, and Simon, if I can turn to you next. Hi, Jason. Good to be here. So as you mentioned, I'm a freelance HR transformation consultant, which I've been doing for 10 years now across a portfolio of clients uh, and different sectors from automotive professional services, medical technology. Prior to that, um, I spent 20 years in senior HR management roles with global organizations such as GlaxoSmithKline and the Coca-Cola company. And as part of the HR transformations I've been involved in, uh, we've done systems implementations end-to-end as well. So I've got experience with Workday and Oracle and SuccessFactors implementations. Fantastic. So again, a real breadth and depth of experience on operational and transformation roles. So thank you for for joining. Really looking forward to to this week's discussion. Um, And Joe, our listeners will be familiar with your dulcet tones. Why don't you tell them a bit about your day job and and your background? Thank you, Jason. So um, prior to establishing Underscore with you, I had in fact developed uh, my career in HR. So I developed my um, HR career through the generalist route um, spend some time in specialist functions as well and doing some specialist roles. But my focus in recent years has really um, turned to helping organizations transform their HR functions and leading large um, HR operations as well. So the topic today, HR capability, is something that I'm uh, very, very fond, fond of. 
Excellent. So thanks for that, Joe. So in previous episodes, our guests have highlighted a really urgent need for a set of skills and capabilities that aren't traditionally associated with HR functions. So that's capabilities such as data analysis, systems thinking, solution design, project management, change management, user experience design and and marketing. But before we dive into the topic of buying in these skills from the market, I'd just like to check whether you've also seen a demand for these sorts of, let's call them digital business skills within HR. And if so, what's the driving force behind that demand? So Simon, perhaps if I could turn to you first. Okay. Yes, certainly. I think um, very much so, uh, Jason, a demand for these new capabilities abilities. Uh, data analysis, um, I think, has been with us for some time, but it's moving more into the analytics area and the diagnostics area from straightforward data management. Systems thinking, I think we're now looking ahead um, when we're looking to implement uh, systems or change systems and thinking about roles and security uh, and GDPR. I think solution design is a fairly new phrase. Um, So certainly that's new um, across the HR community. And whilst project management and change management have been around for a while, I think digitalization has changed the way they're managed. Uh, User experience design and marketing, again, uh, I think that's increasingly important because uh, one thing we've seen um, when we're doing transformations and we're doing digital system implementation is that uh, the end user experience is key and the adoption to the new ways of working is key. And that really requires quite a a lot of focus and effort. So yeah, I fully agree with uh, that comment there that uh, these are new capabilities that uh, are coming to be the fore in the HR space. And Murray, from your perspective, and we're talking about HR here, but is this a kind of a broader demand for these types of skills in, in, in you know, in other functions, in other, other parts of the business? Yeah, absolutely. These um, skills have been needed by business for the last um, 15, 20 years, increasing uh, demand. So certainly over the last 15 years, I've seen the increased demand for, say, project management from something that was barely used by a lot of businesses to something that's now an integral part of the business. From a HR perspective, we're really a lagging indicator on this. So uh, we are now catching up with some of these skills and particularly where we've put in new ERP systems, but they're skills that the, the wider business has known it's needed and has been developing for some time. Yeah. And, and Joe, what's your view? When, when did HR start picking up on these skills? Yeah, not 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 soon enough. I mean, um, yeah, in, since the um, the rise of cloud technology, actually, I think um, I think as as organisations um, and HR functions um, have started to digitalise the experience, some of the, the employee experience, and digitalizing some of those processes a lot of this has come to form but actually um, I think user experience will be will play an, an even bigger role um, in the future and we I think we've talked about this before with previous guests as well actually in that organizational culture will be very much determined by employees touch points um, and now that individuals are working much more flexibly the employee touch points um, whether it's people processes finance processes procurement processes have got to be really sort of provide that positive experience so that 
user experience will be much more important even going forward. So I've seen, you know, HR transformation pro programs um, being dictated by the fact that actually HR functions or people functions wanted to, you know, inverted commas, outsource some of its uh, to-do lists to the line, um, not, you know, wanting to simplify, in many cases, the, the HR functions processes. So I think is uh, we, we organizations will have to take a very different um, view to employee experience and designing of those future sort of uh, employee experiences, employee processes, because it's no longer about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about providing that great um, experience, almost, um, you know, the type of experience that people um, have in in um, you know the commercial world, you know the use of apps, etc. Everything's at, at your fingertips. The right information is presented to you at the right time. So I think that will become much more relevant uh, post COVID as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, Simon, as you look across your different clients, the different organisations that you've worked with over the years, how how well resourced are HR functions with these types of skills and capabilities today? And are there any particular gaps that that kind of stand out? I think it's a growing uh, awareness of what's required, and I think as Joe mentioned, uh, very much it's been driven outside in. Uh, because typically an employee experience would be outside of work to uh, leverage the internet, to do online banking, to do online shopping, to source information through Google for themselves. And they have an expectation to be able to do that um, in the workplace. So HR clearly is uh, responding to that, um, although at different rates, I think, depending on the technology um, that they're leveraging um, as an organization. So um, it's something that's evolving, um, probably, as Joe mentioned, uh, not quite uh, as quick as we'd initially hoped, um, but um, there's certainly a demand from the customer, let's say, for this type of um, digitalization. And um, I think HR now working with managers to uh, clarify roles and responsibilities from you know the traditional HR, let me take care of that for you, to HR as an enabler and a coach and, and a manager having the ability to do their own direct access um, reporting and their own transactions. Yeah, it does really change the role of the HR function, the people function as, as uh, managers have their they, they they take on more themselves and demand more. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah. And, and Mari, from your your perspective, uh, when when you look at the when you've been building up HR teams, well, what are the the kind of the key gaps that you're looking to fill as you're hiring in uh, members of the senior HR leadership team? It's interesting because I think it's it's changing quite dramatically. So in the past, um, HR would buy in through consultants or contractors, the project management, the transformation skills, um, the analytics and even some of the systems thinking. What's now happening is it's, it's recognizing it needs those skills in its leadership teams um, on a permanent basis. This isn't something that they're going to do once every three years. HR is going to continue to evolve. I think it's a really interesting point that Joe made earlier about, and Simon as well, about employees, actually how they want to access um, services like banking, like through Google, and they want the same from 
their HR services as well. And I think that on demand, available anytime, access, self-access to information is going to grow um, and actually go into other areas of HR. And we're going to see increased demand and increased control from people demanding where they, and when they actually work. Mm-hmm. And if an HR function is missing some of these capabilities, mm-hmm. whether that's solution design or it's user experience, well, what, what's the actual impact on the business? What, what does it matter if HR doesn't have these capabilities? It's going to be around attraction and retention of employees because they're going to go somewhere where they can work in this way. They're not going to want to work with companies where they can't access information, access learning when they want to do it in the place they want to do it and work flexibly. I think yeah. if we think we're going to go back to people being prepared to queue up at a desk in a head office to get access to IT services, we're not. Um, the longer we're out and working from home and working flexibly through COVID, the less people are going to, going to want to go back to that uh, restrictive way of working. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's an engagement and retention factor, yeah. isn't it? Because if an employee has uh, experienced that way of working where they can be self-directed, they can access information for themselves, it really is frustrating if they um, can't access that immediately mm-hmm. or, or indeed have to queue. You know, And, and again, it's that sort of banking analogy, isn't yep. it, where we used to queue up you know, to go and cash in uh, with the cashier. We then used to go to the HR department and wait till the HR department is available now we go to the portal, you know, and we and we look for information for ourselves. So, as people move and are mobile from organisation to organisation, that's an expectation now. It's almost like an entry ticket for for employees, and particularly, I think, you know, without sort of focusing anything around age, I think generationally uh, it's become more of an expectation now as people have grown up using this technology uh, from infancy uh, and therefore are massively surprised if that technology is not acceptable or, or accessible to them in the workplace. Yeah. You are listening to the Underscore Transformation podcast. If you'd like a few more tools in your crisis management kit bag, why not visit underscore-group.com forward slash CMR toolkit to hone your crisis management skills, lead your organization through recovery. And actually using technology to know your employees. Um, Most of the new ERP systems enable you to gather information on skills, expectations, on um, learning needs. Uh, And yet we don't actually utilize that from a HR function. So rather Mm. than putting job roles out or if a piece of work needs to be done, actually in the future, could we actually allow employees to bid on a piece of work based on their skills that either they have or they want to develop? and thinking about the workforce in a very, very different way in order to give access to more to employees. Companies, you know, the the Tesco's, the Ocado's, the First Directs really know their customers um, and gather lots of information and use that information to sell products, et cetera, to them. We have to do the same with employees now. They expect to for us to come and find them and sell the opportunities to them. So are you envisaging a kind of a broader sweep of almost like the gig economy where where there's fewer permanent roles and more you know gigs you know projects and and teams are forming 
uh, around particular tasks. Yeah, and actually, um, even within your permanent workforce, that uh, rather than expecting a manager or somebody in another department who could only see his immediate workforce, actually, if there's a piece of work you need done, why don't you put it out to the whole community and enable people to learn? Uh, We all know that Mm. learning is best done in an activity, on a project, in a job. Actually, how do you allow all your employees to access or how do you access all of that information about your employees so that you can give them more opportunities? So it could be around the employee value proposition. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, if I, if I just um, also make a couple of observations, I think um, data analysis, and we talked we talked about that just uh, a few a few minutes ago. Um, I think HR functions really need to up their game in in people insights mm-hmm. and really being able to interpret people data. I think um, uh, people in HR functions have been all too traditional with what they've been recording and presenting to the board. But actually, some of those data points are, are no longer relevant. And I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. Their capability and skills and, and competence are Fun, fundamental to business success, yeah. aren't they? And I don't think uh, HR functions and people functions are doing enough of that. I've seen too many HR projects and 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 uh, HR transformation ones and system implementation ones of that, where the talent agenda isn't sort of front and center of what's being trying of, of of the objectives of that transformation program. And I think that's a failing in 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 some of these uh, is projects it's like it's automating or replacing the the existing hrerp with something a little bit more sophisticated but actually what you're missing you're missing the point here this is really about um, t- that consumer experience that you talked about the marks and spencers they know mm-hmm. everything about you they know what products you buy the regularity of the products you buy and yet we've got the capability to know that about how about the people that we that we employ our colleagues and we just don't do enough of it and many organizations are actually struggling with issues or topics that perhaps in the depths of the of the business there's a capability or skill to get them out of it but they just don't have the means of tapping into it yeah yeah I think also talent, you know, talent management uh, as a as a discipline within uh, HR still needs to move from a traditional approach. You yes. need to move from succession planning, from organisational hierarchy yes. to uh, organise work and uh, identify opportunities in, in a different yeah. way, as you discussed earlier, where the yeah. ability is to have projects and outcomes and for people to to network to uh, to bid uh, on projects and outcomes rather than uh, sort of linear or hierarchical ways of looking at looking at work yeah hr functions have really need to be more creative with some of their pol- policies and 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 i see far too many examples of organizations still using those traditional performance management talent management processes that worked probably well in years gone by but are they you know, fit for purpose for today or, or indeed the future? Um, that's big, big yeah. question mark. Really. I think there's a couple of points on that. The, the first one is that HR is still very reactive. Um, it is reacting mm. and scrambling as a result of COVID. And it's, it's suddenly HR is front and centre of the organisation and having to come up with people policies, ways of working mm. very differently. It needs to start being proactive and, and strategic and 
if it knows those skills, it knows what skills it's got and what skills it wants to develop. It also needs to be working with the business to understand the skills it will need in the future, um, as opposed to reacting when the business demands those skills. It, it needs to be really partnering hand in hand. And, and the other one on the um, enabling workers to bid for projects, bid for um, learning experience, opportunity, it will really help the diversity agenda. It's still a known fact that if you are white, middle class and male, you are more likely to be picked to work on some of these projects and work. There are less opportunities mm. for our, our BAME and, and female uh, colleagues. Mm. Yeah. And we've all seen lots of business cases over the years that lay out this wonderful future of uh, an agile, flexible workforce that's, you know, actively managing the talent in the organization and nurturing all this great stuff. And then you look at the implementation and you go, but you've just implemented a system and you've focused on all the operational stuff. I'm sure that there's got to be some some reason for that. Are we falling down when it comes to implementation? Is it it about design? What's kind of driving that, that mismatch between kind of what's been promised and what actually ends up being delivered? I mean, I can, I can I can make an observation. I think um, a lot of it is that the operational realities of of what functions are, are faced with when they're making sort of design decisions. They're not looking into into the future, and um, and and they they're just um, coming up to solutions to the problems that they have today. Um, so they it's it's about digitalizing what we do today rather than than leveraging the technology that you've acquired um, to give you those great insights. And I think the second one is um, that, that that promise, um, the, you know, the technology vendors have got the capability and technology has the capability to do that. And the promise is there. But then when in, in the implementation, the organization or the function isn't structured in a way that enables it to implement those, those, those technologies and and those talent platforms and and that you know they, they might not the organization wouldn't might not have the data and insights team to be able to leverage the data that comes out of the system so actually the system gets implemented into the current BAU team that does that didn't have the capability to do that in the first place and now you're asking it to do something that it still doesn't have the capability to do mm-hmm. so when you, when you implement the technology you have to look at the operating model and the capabilities that you have within your your hr function to operate that technology in a new world yeah Um, and i mean i I absolutely agree um, that i've seen now two major erp implementations where the skills and capabilities that are needed are not brought in when the, as the system is and therefore and then they struggle to use the system let alone really get the, the full benefits from it uh, so yeah absolutely agree um, the other problem is that when these systems are brought in and hr talks about transforming it is about cost and it focuses on cost and headcount reduction and again doesn't think about the other skills that it needs to bring in to, to capitalize on the transformation yeah. So on, on that point of bringing in the skills, let's say you're a, a chief people officer, you've identified you've got this skills gap in your function and you need to buy in that capability from the market. But let, let's say you don't have either the time or the capacity to develop your people in-house. You're kind of left with, broadly speaking, three options. You either engage a management consultancy, 
you hire perhaps a small team of independent contractors, or you hire permanent staff onto your payroll. So how do you best decide between these three options? What, what sort of considerations do you need to take into account when you're making that sort of resourcing decision? So perhaps, Mari, if I turn to you on that one to start. Um, I think it's going to depend on the size and scale of the challenge you're facing and the environment uh, that you'd be potentially putting this these people into. If the mm. environment is potentially going to be hostile to change and there's a lack of capability within the current function, then in that instance, um, a management consultancy company or uh, some really experienced, seasoned, independent contractors could come in and really be the catalyst for the change. Whereas actually, if you bring in permanent employees, you probably need to have already started to establish some of that um, change beforehand. The challenge with management consultancy is it's being the intelligent client so that you really clear on what you want to get out and not necessarily just what the management consultancy wants to give you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I think um, it may not be just one or the other. I mean, sometimes I think it can be a blended uh, situation, a blended solution. I think, as Mary said, a lot depends on the conditions for success. So, you know, how... Uh, equipped are the leadership team uh, to uh, share their vision for change and to enable that vision for change and to create the right conditions for for that to happen. And sometimes it's about a blend because uh, a management consultancy can bring certain processes and methodologies and have experience of having done that time and time again. Whereas um, sometimes a, a project management um, or program management team, which comprises also of um, internal uh, leaders, um, aspiring and developing talent within the organization who can grow from this experience uh, and then maintain and run uh, once the, the program is uh, initiated. And then specialists, you know, sometimes uh, a particular specialist in a certain area can help bring that uh, objectivity or that fresh thinking. And sometimes it can be a specific technical competency um, that's required. You know, for example, data integration as a competency, which tends not to be something that's part of the, the DNA of the ongoing organization, but tends to come in, you know, to help solve a particular issue. And I've seen some good examples where you've got a blended solution where you've got you know, a strong leadership team with a clear vision and uh, a momentum sense of urgency for change with some um, project methodology through uh, consultancy and, th and some individuals, both internal who are learning and growing, uh, will then maintain and run and people that come in for a short period of time in an interim situation to provide specialist uh, expertise. Uh, I've seen quite a few examples where that approach can work quite well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think we, we'd, uh, yeah, we, we'd back up your, your thinking and your experience on that. I think having that, that blend of roles is, is really important and being clear about how and what you're using the management consultancy for and being that intelligent customer to, yeah. to Mari's point. 
I think um, engaging management consultants. I mean, they, they've got a, you know some of these large man, uh, management consultancy consultancies have got great expertise and and capability. I have seen um, and on many occasions management consultants being consultancies being brought in to initiate a, a piece of work, maybe a strategic piece of work, but then the organisation. Uh, the challenge is the organization doesn't have the capability to sort of um, drive that change after the management consultancy is, um, yes. has left. And, you know, management consultancies are there to sort of, they also want to make money. So they want to create a dependency on on you needing them to sort of see see through the work. So my word of caution is when you whenever you, you engage a management consultancy, A, be clear of what it is that you're expecting to expect it to do. Be sure that you understand the effort needed internally to execute what it is that you're going to execute long after the uh, the management consultants have uh, have disappeared, um, so you don't have that um, dependency on them, and and you and you've get you got you know sponsorship and exec sponsorship behind what it is that you're trying to achieve. I've seen too far too many. Um, programs uh, or strategic initiatives uh, launched, they just lose momentum because the organization doesn't have the capability to drive it through. Yeah. And on a contingent side, on a contractor side, yeah, absolutely. They can be, it can be great to, to bring in seasoned con, uh, contractors and, or, you know, individual individual consultants um, to kickstart uh, a particular piece of work. But to, to Mari's point earlier, some of these skills are becoming more and more required, you know, requ- some of these skills are going to be required more and more permanently. So mm-hmm. actually be sure that you, you make the right call strategically as an organization, whether you want to have that capability embedded in your permanent workforce and it becomes a strategic skill that you look to nurture and develop over time um, rather than one that you just acquire for a period of time because that that contingent worker, that consultant will walk away after six months, nine months with an awful lot of IP um, that they would have gained. So um, uh, organizations should look to um, to hire, you know, contractors, but for the right, be, you know, for the right purpose. Um, yeah, make sure you've got yeah. that knowledge transfer. Trans- uh, yeah, and, and on your exit yeah. criteria, be sure that yeah, you, you've got yeah. knowledge transferred uh, internally if you're going to need that tra- that knowledge internally. Because yes. success really would be to be able to build that internal capability, wouldn't it? So that uh, post program. Uh, program having gone live Mm. there's the internal capability to maintain and grow um, and evolve uh, the change uh, and keep the momentum too often you do see um, a large consultancy being brought in for a project um, but then one month after go live um, they've gone Uh, and and that knowledge hasn't been transferred and that's why I think going back to the earlier discussion if you can build a blended team where you have expertise from consultancy from individual seasoned um, specialists who have been there you know seen the movie play out several times before and know where the traps are and know where the fast tracks are and then have internal talent which you are growing um, who can then assume responsibility um, mm. post-go-live and start to build adoption of this, you know, evolving journey, then I think that's that's a good 
a way of looking at it. Absolutely. It's the only way you can sustain change, right? Um, yes. yeah. The only way. And, and I think Mari made a point earlier um, around, you know, organizations uh, launch these programs and these implement these technologies on the promise that it's going to do X, but actually when you go live, they just about struggle to, to, to operate the system, let alone, um, you know, leverage all that great benefit. And a yes. lot of it stems down to the point that the, the in-house team, the client team hasn't been developed along, um, along the way, along those, you know, involved through the design workshops, through testing, um, operating models, not being done correctly. Um, the skills to to sustain the change haven't been acquired um, into the organization at the right time. So there's a, there's an awful lot of that. And I, I agree with you that these, these organizations, these consultancy companies will leave a month after the system's gone live um, along with uh, all the contractors and they'll move on to the next project and a client is left with a, with a machine that they need to operate that they can just barely they can barely do i think there's a, a an interesting point there about the, the skills as well when these um transformations come in and uh make these great changes put in systems put in new ways of working if you look at some of the skills that we've talked about so the systems thinking the project the change the transformation these are quite different skills to operational admin skills that have traditionally been in HR. And yet what tends to happen is mm. the assumption is that those HR operational teams can assume the skills that are needed in the future and they can be trained and learned. But some of these are very fundamental different behaviors and ways of working so it's the difference between the person that sees the trees and the person that sees the forest and actually if you've currently got a team of people who can only see trees as much as you train and try and give them these new tools and new ways of working they will always struggle to see the forest and you know it is a fundamental different mm. behavior that you need yeah, different mindset as well, yeah, isn't it? It's absolutely. It comes down to those kind of fundamental, the way you're built sort yes, of stuff. Yes, exactly, yep. So we're going to take a pause in the conversation here for this week. Next week, the panel are going to share their experience of hiring people with these digital business skills that we've been talking about uh, on today's episode uh, and how to fill some of these really challenging skills gaps in organizations. They'll also touch on the importance of taking a holistic approach to resourcing transformation activities and provide some really practical advice for attracting, selecting and retaining some of the hottest skills in the market. So to make sure you don't miss out, remember to subscribe. And if you found this week's episode useful, please share it with your colleagues and your network.